turn over to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I want to start out at a very beginning. Um, this is kind of putting over into most of the scripture that I've already got laid out um, for tonight. But I want to read something real quick out of Joshua chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the soles of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So here's a charge to Joshua, who is taking the lead of this nation now. There's a transition going on in Israel because Moses has passed away, and someone has to continue to carry out that vision. Anytime you have vision from the Lord, there's going to be transitions in it. Whether it's moving from one building to the next, whether it's someone transitioning from a position to another position, um, whatever the case may be, it, there's a lot of spiritual growth in, in uh, uh, a church. You'll transition from one level of truth to another level of truth. So there's always transition happening in a growing church. Why? Because things that grow change. Amen? We have to embrace change, okay? You know, a lot of times we'll come into this facility and we keep seeing it the same way. But you understand, one day it may not look like this. One day we could change something. We could do something different. The goal is, are we following God and following what, what we need to do? Because change is inevitable. You understand this? Change is inevitable. No matter how much they come out in surgery to make you look younger, and they can do this, you're still getting older. Because on the inside, your body's getting older. You're still breaking down. They have not found that thing by, that lets us live immortal on the planet. It doesn't happen. Okay? Change is inevitable. And so, you know, we want to make sure then as when change comes to us, it's either forced on us because of maybe some crisis. I mean, no one expected 9-11 when that happened, but something changed. How do we handle that, okay? This is important when it comes to growing a church or being a part of a fellowship is because when change comes, which position will we take? I'm going to look at three different postures tonight of some people that got into some postures and didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to do nothing, and in return, they started to backtrack. Then others, you know, they just wanted to get in the level of maintenance. But maintenance, after a while, uh, won't propel you. But then there's others that want to take risks, some that get out there and, and keep allowing that change or go after change or embrace change and, and take a risk 
when it seems like there's no way we can accomplish things, and those are the ones that God's going to use the most. We want to be those types of people. We call them risk takers, so to speak. You know, the life of faith is not for the weak. It is not for the weak. It is for a strong man and woman of God. Why? Because the Lord will lead us in places very uncomfortable. He will move us in things that challenge our flesh. He'll move us in things that challenge our thought processes. But we want to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to embrace these things. Amen? Okay. With that being said, turn over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I like change. One of the things that we do kind of simple down in St. Augustine, because we have some lights, you know, not tons, because I'm not a big light guy, um, but, you know, I like them, and we'll purchase more, but we do subtle things. I have a lighting guy down there, and periodically what he'll do is he'll go in and he'll turn, change the colors of the lights. They just shoot straight up, you know, and they change colors. Why? Because I want people to get used to, if you're growing, you're changing. Okay, now we're not changing the color on the wall every month because that's a lot of paint to have to cover. But there are certain things we can change, okay? Service will change. We always tell everybody, even here, you, know, you can't experience Anchor Faith Church in one service. You've got to come back at least five times. Joshua was boasting before we went to eat. He said, I've been to about 800 Anchor Faith services, and I can't say there's been any two that are alike. Well, that's good news. Why? Because God's doing something different. He's always challenging us and growing us. Amen? And we don't ever want to get comfortable somewhere. We want to be growing always. We want to remain teachable. Okay? This is important because there's always more truth to be taught. There's always another layer to learn. Hallelujah. And, man, when you're hooked up into the place that God's called you, let me tell you something. You're going to get challenged. Challenged that you're either going to die in the wilderness or you're going to go ahead and go across into promised land. I want to be like the Joshua and Caleb. Remember we ministered the other week on week. We uh, can certainly conquer it. We ministered that here. We can certainly conquer it. We want to have that, that mentality of Caleb that when he came back and said, Look, God said that we could do this. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. It's exactly as God said. Here's the witness. Here's the evidence. Now, don't be grumbling and saying we can't. Don't be talking to me about giants in the land. Don't be talking to me about being grasshoppers. No, we can certainly conquer it because the Lord is with us. Amen? But that was going out into the unknown. Again, that's going into a place that they're unfamiliar, being led by God. But those who held on to that are the ones that are getting in now. You see this. God's vision will come to pass. You don't want to be one of the ones that were hooked up to the vision that God was doing, but yet couldn't be a part of fulfilling it because you fell off. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be that. Amen? You don't want to be that. I know when we started down there in St. Augustine, there were people, you know, who came and were part of the church, but then... Because they wanted to see certain things or whatever, they quit coming with us. And I know in the mentality, they think, well, you know, they can't do it without us. Well, God can do it. God doesn't want to do it without someone. God doesn't want to have to replace someone's fit in the body at all. But if they just refuse to obey God, then he is obligated to his vision. The Lord wanted Moses to carry on men. You know this. You know this. But Moses is the one who struck the rock twice and did not speak to it, and it cost him going into the promised land. So the Lord still utilized Moses. He was still a great man. He was mightily used by God, but he didn't get the, be able to finish the assignment of carrying them into the promised land. It was transferred to Joshua. Okay? So in Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and 60, it says this, For he said to another, Follow me, Jesus speaking, but he said, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. Verse 60, bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. 
But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Now, what's he saying here? Listen, there's some things that need to become dead to you when you start moving forward with God. There's some things that you don't need to be an undertaker for. You're not the one that needs to go clean up the mess and go take care of. There's some things you just got to let go and go forward in. Amen? Because there's people that all they'll do is keep running back to why I can't do this next thing for God, how I can't get that more involved, how I can't be that kind of an asset to the vision, how I can't do this, and they keep running back to something. Well, the Lord saw this one, called him, said, follow me, and said, no, I need to go back. Now, that seemed pretty significant to go bury somebody that had died. But the Lord said, let the dead bury the dead. What I would need you to do is go and proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere. And there comes a time in our life where circumstances and situations and routines we're in, we may have to say, you know what? I can't keep going back to that. I've got to see myself in something more of what God's doing for my life. And when we begin to do that, man, I'm telling you, God can launch you into something great. Launch you into some great things. Because He wants to entrust you with power. He wants to entrust you being able to utilize His Word. He wants to entrust you with the responsibility of the kingdom. When He gave out the, the, the talents, He entrusted those with the amount they were able to handle. That doesn't mean the one with the one was insignificant. That was just what he could handle. But he went back. That wasn't good, was he? He ended up burying it. He did nothing with that which he actually had the ability to do. And as a result of that, he thought he was just taking care of it. In essence, he was causing dead things to show up in his life. And when the master returned, he got cast out. No, we want to be purposeful, do we not? We want to be purposeful. Turn over to Matthew chapter 23. We don't want to be sitting around doing nothing. What we want to do is we want to be in a perpetual place of following God. Again, it had been easy for me to say, I don't know why we have Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta. You know, let's just shut the doors and don't worry about it. That had been easy because you know what? We're doing plenty in another city. But we have to follow the Spirit of God. Amen? And the thing is ordained by God. Hallelujah. And the Lord's working those. So you have to then take risks. You have to step out. You have to get out of that comfort area. Because you know what? It's pretty comfortable after you preach all day Sunday morning to go home and relax the record. We don't do Sunday night service in St. Augustine. Instead of traveling here. But what do you do? You say, no, I heard God. I want to press on. Why? Because there's something significant here that the Lord's connected us with. And we need to be faithful to that project. Amen. And we've been doing this. Glory to God. Amen. And this thing's going to grow. Just as Rosalie said to me before we ate again. She says, you know what? I just keep seeing this is the party's just fixing to get started. Yes, it is. There's some things we've done and we plowed for a few years, but I'm telling you right now, some things are really starting to add based upon being persistent and pressing. Look what he says here in Matthew 23, verse 27. It says this. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Next verse. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen, we don't want to become a part of something where it just looks like we're doing church. We won't actually want to be a part of His church. We want to actually be involved with what He's doing. Do you understand Jesus is doing something on the earth today? Is He or is He not? And you know where He's doing it? He's doing it through His church. And you know what His church is? A group of individual members 
collecting upon the same place, each having a particular assignment and role and fulfilling and bringing that supply to it. And you understand, every one of us are doing something different. And you understand, we're adding people. Some people, the best place for them to be when they connect with a vision is just sitting in the chair. There's no doubt about that. You know, I never look at someone after they've been there five times, you understand, after five times and say, you need to get involved now. You know what, they may need to sit for, sit for six months and continue to grow and mature. They may have had a bad church experience prior to us. There's all kinds of things the Lord may need to deal with them. You know, but I can tell you this, as we're moving and going with God, it will become more than just going to church. You'll find yourself needing to have attach itself to the purpose of the church and accomplish some things. Amen? And I tell you, the vision's big. We ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And we always want to continue to walk in these roles. Um, uh, on the 10th of August, we're going to be going to Puerto Rico again to continue to help that work in Umacao. Pastor Vanessa and Arnell, we're going to be doing some outreaches, evangelizing, sharing that the church is going to start, we'll do some uh, construction on their house still. Why? Because we've got to continue to expand. And there's people. We've got more people going on this trip than we did the last trip, and we're going shorter amount of time. It's giving people an opportunity to connect and be a part of something and do something. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want to just walk through and outwardly look like we're doing anything and everything, but actually get attached to something. Now, some of these people that, that's going, they're not doing a whole lot in the church itself day in and day out, but the Lord prompted something. You need to go on that trip. And they got involved, and they're going to bring a supply. Hallelujah. Amen. That's significant. That's powerful. Just like people who've come up here to continue to help with this work, you know, traveling. Just like you, staying connected and doing the part, uh, cooking food. I mean, my gosh, man, some of that food was great. And that's a part that you play for the fellowship. Amen. Wow, we don't want to just play something. We want to become what God destined us to be. Amen. And so we want to be not do no, uh, people who do nothing, but we want to press to do something. Hallelujah. We're not waiting around for Jesus to return. We're not waiting around just to, see, to die and go to heaven. We want to be purposeful today, moving towards what God has us to do so that we can accomplish. And I'm telling you right now, there's plenty to do here as the things continue to unfold, as Pastor Mark and Ashley continue to transition and get here. I'm telling you, more and more opportunities to do things. You understand that that's an, a blessing and a benefit to your life as you begin to put your hands. We had um, little J.J. in morning prayer this morning come running up on stage. He's four years old. Pastor Marcy does prayer down there. And she was having some people come up and, and uh, sing in the Spirit and sing, you know, before the Lord, you know, as, as the Holy Ghost prompted them. And all of a sudden, little J.J., four years old, came and jumped up on the platform. And she said, little J.J., what do you want? And, and he said, I just want to talk to God. Well, the reason he has that is because somebody's been invested in him in our preschool. He sees men and women of God that love him and are invested in him and care. I thank God for that gift. Hallelujah. That they just don't come, but yet they found the time when the Lord said, It's time to do this. They begin to move towards that. Hallelujah. And when that takes place, wow. Wow, the investment that comes. James chapter 2, verse 17. Look at this. James chapter 2, verse 17. You see, the, the Israelites, when they got out into the wilderness, they just started to want to do nothing. Here's God. He'd done great exploits, done all kind of things, delivered them out, and then, you know, they kept their mentality of slavery. 
and they couldn't see themselves overcome into the promised land. And so they, you know, became weak in their faith and didn't even activate their faith. Joshua and Caleb did, but the other ten didn't. They stirred up the whole congregation. In essence, they, they turned into doing nothing, and it cost them their lives. James uh, 2.17 tells us, Even so, faith, as it, uh, as it has no works, is dead being by itself. Then drop down to verse 26, look what it says. It says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Meaning, we've got to work our faith. Amen. It's not that we just come and say we're a part of something. We actually are a part of it. Hallelujah. We are a part of it. And we are putting our hands to something. We're believing. And I'm going to tell you, there's all kind of projects. I have a particular uh, gentleman down in St. Augustine that when we get into certain projects, they own a business, and they said, you tell me what it is. I'm going to believe God for an amount to be able to sow. Well, you understand, they are working their faith because they are believing for something outside of what they normally do to work with their business in order to be able to sow over and above to do certain things. That there's a work there that's being done. You see what I'm saying? So you understand, faith projects are more than just greeting or ushering. Sometimes it's just, you know what, we're going to do this, so I'm going to stand and believe God for my part to put in there. Because we're something, we're doing something, we're doers of the Word. Unfortunately, the Israelites, there was a great number of them that didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to get whatever God was going to get independent of them. But the Lord wants our participation. Amen? Isn't that good news? He wants our participation. With that being said, let's go to the next level. Turn back over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Hallelujah. I want to live a life that is always moving forward towards God. Hallelujah. How about you? Luke chapter 9, verse 61 says this. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You understand? We've got to go beyond maintenance stage where we're just maintaining. We've got to press. Because I can tell you right now as a pastor, I can maintain. Now when I say that, that's really deceiving myself in that statement. Because you're never going to get to real maintenance mode, ever. Maintenance will start to get you towards moving away from God. Because He's always moving somewhere forward. But we can get to a coast. You ever ridden a bike before? You can ride that bike, pump that thing, and then all of a sudden, and that's why I love riding the bikes. Because when I run, I can't do that. Because if I stop my feet, I stop. I can't move forward. But on a bike, I can ride that thing and then quit. And coast. Now, you can't coast for too long because what will happen? You'll lose your momentum, you'll lose your energy, and you'll start to, you know, wobble, and your bike will quit, and you'll fall off. All right? So, yes, in our, our walk with God, we can get into these maintenance modes where we've been pedaling and working, and we're going to coast for a while. And then you coast it. And as you coast, you're slowing down. You know what? And a lot of times we want to coast when it's down the hill, so you know you really make work for that ever. And you know what? There's there's no problem with that in the in the sense if you're going downhill and and you're stopping because now you're at rest and the Lord's giving you a little rest time. Because when you get to the bottom of the hill, guess what? It's time to pedal again. Amen. So when it's time to pedal, we got to pedal. But a lot of times people want to stop, and they just want to start coasting. They want to go, man, I remember before I got into this race what it was like. And they start looking back. Come on now. No, we don't want to look back. We want to keep pushing and prodding and, 
and, and digging and driving and pedaling and hit the next stroke and the next stroke and the next stroke. Why? Because we want to be able to take something. We want to be significant for the kingdom. Amen. Do you believe this? So turn over to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Say, so we're going to go beyond maintenance. Hallelujah. It seems like, you know, as we um, endeavor to get to a point where we think, all right, we are almost there, then the Lord does something. <laughs> seems like I was saying this down in St. Augustine as I was ministering. I said, you know, I, I often have dreams of coming to the church and walking into the office and somebody's made me a cup of coffee on my desk and hands me all my little notes, you know, of what I'm doing today and all my little details, and I get to sit down, and I sip my coffee, black only, you know, check a few little emails, you know, study the Word, do some praying, and that's what I do day in and day out. Oh, that just seems like that would be just the greatest life on the face of the planet. But, you know, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I do get a cup of coffee, um, but, you know, it's not typically because it's made, and sitting at my desk, I'm usually saying, hey, can somebody make some coffee? <laughs> Why? Because we're all doing stuff. Amen? We're being purposeful about doing things uh, for the Lord. And, you know, there's times that I'm thinking, man, i like to get past this project to be to here. i like to get past this to be there. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you start a renovation, you're thinking, man, I'll be glad when this is over. So you can just enjoy it. But how many of you have done little home improvement projects, and when you're done, you start daydreaming about the next one you can do? Isn't that amazing? We tend to do that. We just got it settled. My wife's the worst at this, man, at the house. She'll start sitting around, she goes, you know, I think we need to do this. I'm thinking, we just finished, man. I mean, we're not two weeks in this deal. And she's done moved to boredom level, and she's ready to do another project. Hallelujah. Amen. She, in fact, she told me um, this past week, she says, you know what, I'm thinking about maybe doing, getting some new furniture, and we need to go ahead and get that new mantle over the fireplace and redo that wall. And, and, you know, we hadn't actually painted the inside of the house in a couple years. I think it's time for us to do that. I'm thinking... Paint the house yourself, man. I got enough going on when I have to do that. But what will I do? I get involved with her. Why? Because we want to keep things fresh. We want to keep things moving. We want to do things, be purposeful, and not just sit around to do nothing. Amen? We just don't want to just exist. We want to be purposeful. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, look at this verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, and not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Verse 2, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the res resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So in essence, he's saying, listen, some, there's certain things we know and we've learned and we're going to relearn. But listen, we've got to press on. There's a time that you've just got to press on past what we know. And, you know, when you start to press on, that means there's another opportunity to live a life of faith which gets us into an uncomfortable position. Amen. And there's days you're thinking, wow, if I had not even stepped out here, what if we'd have stayed there? Well, you understand, staying in a place that God hadn't told you, it's going to fall apart. But going on to where God tells you there's great victory. None of us like, um, all of us love cliffhanger movies. Right? I mean, most of the time, if you watch, let's go back to Indiana Jones. Remember that one when it first came out? How many of y'all remember seeing Indiana Jones? Okay. Remember you go, we see him right out the gate. He's going in to find that little bitty thing, and he does the little. Right? He's taking the sand out, and then he takes that one, and he goes, I'm not going to do this. 
and he thought he had it. Then it started to go down, now we got problems. And he's running out and all that stuff's taking place, you understand, and you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, well, he can't die in the first five minutes, we know this. But we're not really sitting back just going, oh, he's got this. No, what we're doing is thinking, my gosh, what's going to happen next, man? It's like, you want that. Well, welcome to faith. It's like that. That kind of life is there. You're thinking, Lord, they said they're going to do this, and this is going to happen, and this is what's going on, and this, and you're standing, Lord, in the name of Jesus, it's this way, your word says that, we can do this, we'll overcome this, we'll say this, and we're speaking something totally contrary to what all's going on. We love to watch the movie, but we didn't really want to be in. How many would love to watch the movie where they tie the lady to the train track and the hero shows up while the train's not even in sight and picks her up and takes her off? You'd be like, that's boring. Right? I mean, we wouldn't do that. If, if Indiana would have just walked on in there, took the thing, put the sand on it, walked back out, you'd have thought, big deal. I mean, if you just saw all the potential, but none of it never fired and got even close to his life you, of killing him, you wouldn't, it wouldn't have been too exciting for you. Come on now, you understand what I'm saying? So we got to move beyond maintenance because we'll put ourselves in a position where it seems like, whoo, man, we just got out of something. When all the while God said, you got this the whole time. To our flesh it feels like that, but in reality, the Lord knew we had it all the while. Now look over here in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Ain't God good? Hallelujah. God's good. He says this, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, Paul says this, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That's a powerful statement. Paul says, I'm trying to become that which Christ called me to be. All of us have an assignment. To some degree, I don't know, it's at different levels, but all of us have this. And we are to try to become and apprehend that which we were apprehended. The Lord did not want you to become born again and make Him Lord just to get you to heaven. We know He didn't do this. We know that He was to restore the kingdom, give you dominion again, and give you a assignment where you can have dominion over the assignment and then accomplish that assignment and prove that His kingdom exists. Amen. You have great influence both inside this collective vision, this vision, and then also out in the world. Hallelujah. I mean, taking risk in business or taking risk at jobs or, or going to some unemployee and laying hands on them even though they don't think they'll get any better, but you believe that you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's taking a risk. Amen. And so the Lord's trying to get us to grab hold of this thing which we were, gra- which we were grabbed hold of. And in verse 13 it says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, uh, you have a different attitude, God will reveal also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have obtained. He said, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now even tell weeping, are that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is the destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, uh, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is where? In heaven, 
from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, you know, we want to continue to press forward. We want to keep going because if we don't, we don't want to get like those that started falling after their own appetite or their own will was kept them away from God and they've actually become enemies of the very uh, one who redeemed them. Well, that's why you can't get in just... Um, Doing nothing mode. That's why you can't stay in just maintenance mode. That's why we have to continue to press forward into the things of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Now turn over to Romans chapter 16. How's the country bull doing to you? Y'all doing all right? Look what he says here. In Romans 16. Verse 3 and 4 says, Priscilla, greet this uh, Priscilla and Aquila, um, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Here's a couple people who took risks. People who stepped out to bring something. Amen? And you understand, we're all taking risks at some point. You understand this? Risk really is doing is is operating in a life of faith without and being firmly persuaded that what you believe will come to pass, even though you have no guarantee in the seen realm. When you leave today, okay, we're going to go home, and when we leave, we're going to take this two lane highway. This two lane highway has a line in between it. It's yellow. Okay, I don't know if it's dotted or if it's a straight line. Uh, depends on where you're at on this road. We know if there's a dot, we can what? Pass. Correct? Somebody's slow in front of you. But we also know this, that that line means that the car coming in the opposite direction is supposed to stay on the other side. Now, how many people die in vehicle accidents daily? I don't know the statistic, but... It happens, does it not? Which means the minute you cranked up your vehicle, you just took a risk. You are firmly persuaded that all the people passing you at whatever speed the highway says, and some go, you know, doesn't matter what the highway says, they go their own way, that when they're coming straight at you, just in their lane, they're not going to go across this yellow line that has no real power to stop them. It's not like when they start to go over, all of a sudden a big wall shoots up. Correct? That does not take place. But you believe you don't know the person passing you. You don't know if they're on drugs or alcohol. You don't know if they just got mad with somebody and are leaving something. You don't know. But yet most of us, we have taken no thought to them. We, I mean, we know they're there, but... They are very little to our attention, so much that we can even look away from them. Come on now. We are so confident that we have our lane and we're in control, and they can't actually come over and are not going to come over. We'll move and look at text. We'll tweet somebody. We'll check our Facebook and see what's going on with um, trades on the uh, Major League Baseball. Right? Pastor Mark was doing that. What are you doing? He drove today. I'm just, this is exciting stuff, man. 
Okay. But we were on a interstate on this side, which everybody was going, you know, 75 or more, blowing past us. We're believing that they're going to stay in their lane and not actually run, you know, run us through the back end of our vehicle and run us off the road. Did you think about that when people were coming? You're thinking, my gosh, I think they're going to hit me. No, did you think that when the semi came? You think, he's fixing to just run me off the road. Do, you, do we have these kind of conversations? We don't. But you understand, you are putting yourself at risk every day. Every day. You're doing this. How more sure is God's word if we take that kind of risk? Is what I'm saying. How much more? You understand, when we start to step out and do things with God, you know, the enemy wants to come and say, well, you won't have time and you can't put forth that and that's too much on you and, and, and you know, what if you can't learn? And, and Man, Lord, what do you need me to do? I'm going to trust you at your word and I'm going to do this thing. Take the risk. Live a life of faith. Amen? First uh, Chronicles chapter 11, verse 19. Look at this. First Chronicles chapter 11. I will look at this because I'll have to move back to the Old Testament. It says, but he said... Be it far from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at, at the risk of their lives for the risk of their lives they brought it? This is that drink because David just made a comment. All to have a drink from the wells in Bethlehem. And some people heard it and went across enemy lines, went behind enemy lines, got him that water and brought, brought it back to him. He said, therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. I mean, they risked their lives to honor the king. Come on, do we are we are not to honor our king? Amen. Are we not to honor our king? Hallelujah. We want to do this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 29. Philippians 2:29 says this, "Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and and hold men like him in high regard." Verse 30. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. So Paul is commending someone who, who really put forth this valiant effort to follow God and almost cost him his life. Amen. I can't tell you that everything time we step out that we won't be at certain risk, but I do know this. Man, if we will follow God, let our steps be ordered of the Lord, it will be the greatest life you'll ever lead. The greatest life you'll ever live, man. I'm telling you, I know we can create a life by ourselves independent from God. But how much more to create a life in Him? Because I'm telling you, there's no more fulfillment. There's not more joy. There's not more uh, um, uh, purpose that when you're doing that, whatever it is, that assignment that God's called us to do, that you can walk and say, my gosh, I've come to please my Lord. I've done what He said. I've acted on His Word. I mean, it brings, it's purpose to us. And so we want to be able to take risk and do these things. Hallelujah. I, I commend Pastor Brian and Cheyenne when they heard the Lord and said, go to Valdosta and start a church. I mean, out of nothing, start something. I mean, and that's incredible risk. But then after that, uh, what else risk did they take? When the Lord said, okay, I need you to attach yourself down here because I got another man actually for this assignment that you started. I mean, now they have to take another risk, multiple risks. Number one, that everybody that was with them initially will stay. Are they just connected to a personality? Or to a vision. And that I could leave and it'd be even worse. But if I don't go, then I won't have any anointing if I stayed. I remember when I left the depot in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. We were there for right at three years. And the Lord told me it was time to go. And I knew right then, if I don't go, there'd be no anointing. I'll become 
of just an entertainer in a pulpit, and I'll do nothing for these teenagers. I mean, we were blowing. I mean, our youth ministry were running uh, close to 200 every service. We had over 200 teenagers we were ministering to. Just teenagers. And you're thinking, I mean, we were at the height of it. I mean, I wasn't in a lull. I was at the peak. And the Lord says, time to go. I thought, are you serious? But if I stay, I'd destroy their life. So I took a risk. Hallelujah, I'm glad I did and followed the Lord. Now, because you understand, the Lord loves them way more than He loves me or that I love them. All I can do is do the part God's asked me to play around those when I'm there. Amen. And this part that we played here in this transition, I mean, we genuinely love this church, man. We want to see this church continue to grow and prosper and be successful, and we know it will because the vision is set. It will do so. And you're a part of this thing, man. We're going to see this thing go. I mean, I'm so excited about Pastor Mark and Ashley, man. I just brag on it all the time about the expansion. I'm excited about the gifts that we've been able to receive down there. But when it's all said and done, we haven't left this place. We won't leave this place. And we will overcome in this city. Hallelujah. And what I'm excited about, even though I won't senior pastor the church at some point, I'm connected with this body. I'm connected here. I mean, I have investment here. I mean, we're going to come back up and minister life here. We're going to continue to stay in fellowship because the Lord's doing something big in Anchor Faith Churches. I'm telling you. And we're, you're on the ground floor with us. I mean, you read of people like, um, what's the guy at Azusa Street? What was his name? Seymour? I mean, whole churches started out of that movement. There's other men, like Martin Luther... A whole church denomination. Now, you understand, we're not here to start a denomination, but whole churches start out of the fact that he nailed something to the wall and said there needs to be reformation in the church. There was a, a truth that needed to move. He took a risk. And it brought people out of something into something great. And I'm telling you right now, how would you like to be on the ground floor of the next thing that the Lord is doing to stir things up? Like... Preach that the kingdom is at hand. Hallelujah. And be a part of that. Well, you're there. How many of you would love to have gotten in with Apple when it first started? Or Walmart? You see what I'm saying? I mean, how would you like for Sam Walton to say, Hey, can you be my business partner? I just need you to put a $100 share in. I mean, seriously. We'd be like, Oh, and if you would have been that time, because you understand, there are people that were like, Well, we're a jump. That ain't never going to make it. And now look at it. See, that's why you want to connect with something that God's doing. Why? Because you know what? Especially when you're ground level because there's so much God wants to do. See, I know those who start work. There's something special about people who start. Because you've got to have resolve. I'm telling you that right now. You've got to have resolve. I mean, I came out of a church that was running 600, Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and came to a church that was running nobody. You understand? That's um, And you got all kind of ideas, but don't have the budget nor the people to do anything. But you got to believe God and press. And I thank God for those who came on at the beginning and are still with us today. Those that are still with us. And they're seeing it. They were in that service when there were 17. And now there's over 400 that have partnered with the vision down in St. Augustine. Hallelujah. Well, what about you? 
I was there when we had those five, six families. And now look at us. Hallelujah. Man, I think we get so large we go get to that, what is that agricultural thing in Tifton, is it? What is it? The the expo and have a conference there. Woo! All the Anchor Faith Churches, international, just show, because, I mean, just close to y'all. And then we just come up there and have a big conference. Because I'm telling you, when y'all do that little state fair there, that's a big deal. That's more than a state fair, though, isn't it? What is the Agriculture Expo when they had that big fair there? Have you been to it? Yeah, and Perry. That's where I'm talking about, Perry. That that is a no-joke building right there, man. All that land they got for that stuff? Wow. I went back there one night when I had a fair. I mean, that is the real deal right there. I mean, it's huge. Well, you understand, somebody thought of something. And look what it grew to. It started with an idea. And somebody took a risk. What about Walt Disney? How'd you like to get in on that real estate? That company, when it started. I mean, it started with an idea of a, of a mouse. A mouse of all things, man. And now look at it. It's all over the globe, and it's called the Magic Kingdom. It's got nothing on the kingdom we're in. Come on now, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that kind of risk taker, that kind of believing in a dream should not supersede what God puts in us. Amen? And we ought to be diligent to walk these things out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we want to take those risks. Last scripture today is in uh, Acts 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 26. Hallelujah. Acts 15, 26 says this. Men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How would you like to be added in that list? To where they say they risked their lives. Now when I say that, I'm, I'm not talking about in danger of dying your life. I'm talking about how about risking your will and your desire of what you want on earth for what he wants through you on earth. Laying down your life to take up his life for you. Ooh, glory to God. Amen? What could we do? How fast could the king return? And what kind of crowns would be laid up for you? You see what I'm saying? I'm more and more, I'm, I'm recognizing and understanding that the things we're doing in this earth has a very big payout in the end. There is rewards on the other side. And those rewards are very significant. There's a resume we're putting together. And I'm saying we about resumes here. Because resumes, if they're put together right and we have the right experience, gives more to us. You understand, that is the true statement based upon the next road, the next dispensation, when we're in the next place, when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And it's based upon us having the ability to obey God today in this life. Hallelujah. Doing what we've been called and destined to do. And you know what? I don't know what God's called you to do. I don't know. I've got some people, and I know even here, that you know what? Their greatest gift is just to greet people. They're never going to stand behind a pulpit and preach. They're not going to do that. But I'm telling you, a person walks through the door, and they're going to say, how are you doing? And they're going to have a smile on their face, 
and they're going to be anointed of God, and they're going to touch them, and sickness and disease will start coming off their body because they'll say, let me pray for you, because they'll lay hands on the sick. I'm telling you, they'll have such a ministry in just being gracious and kind that way, and the Lord's saying, that's what I ordained them to do. That's what I called them. They were faithful to do it. Look at the lives they touched and changed, and their reward be just as great as what I do. If I was in pulpits all over the world, if that person who had the assignment in a local body church to greet and be faithful day in, day out, week after week, year after year, doing that assignment, growing in the things of God, being that person, drawing people to the church, being able to minister that word in season and out of season, meaning just you know encouraging and strengthening and telling them, that person is going to get just as much reward as if I was flying all over the world, preaching to all different nations, it's the same thing. Because you can't get a greater reward than when the Lord says, well done. Come on now. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the King of kings, Lord.